above of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story simple as to a little child, for I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Well, if you're under 50 years of age, maybe, you might be wondering what I'm babbling about. But uh, that's an old, old hymn, maybe 150, maybe more years old. And I can see by the looks on your faces that many of you are old enough to remember it. Uh, It's an old hymn, but it's one that expresses an essential truth. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. wonder if you've ever had this experience. Uh, You come to church, you come to maybe a morning service, and uh, you listen to the preaching as uh, the Bible is opened, and it's a great blessing to you. And you go away thinking, well, God was really speaking to my needs today. You go home and have your lunch. Depending on your age, you might have a little nap. And you wake up and say, what was the preacher speaking about this morning? The early dew of morning has passed away. Well, not quite noon, but soon after. Well, I know about that because I've been there too many times. What do we need? We need the vital ministry of reminding. We need to remind. We don't just need the preacher to remind ourselves, we need to minister to ourselves and we need to share with others. Let's turn to uh, the scriptures, to 2 Peter, chapter 1. You'll find this on page 1222 in the large print 1893. Two Peter chapter one. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom 
of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God's word to us tonight. Verses 12 to 15 of uh, this chapter are really the key, uh, not only to this chapter, but to the whole second letter of, of Peter. Here are a people facing challenges. They face the challenge of persecution. They ch- chase, uh, face the challenge of living a godly life in an ungodly world. But they also cha- uh, face the challenge of false teaching. And if you read through the whole chapter, the whole book, you will see that coming out very clearly. Uh, There are those who are going to secretly introduce destructive heresies, denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, uh, Peter says in chapter 2. And uh, then in chapter 3, he says, you must understand that in the coming days, there's going to be scoffers coming, scoffing and following their evil desires. And they're going to scoff particularly about uh, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And um, I didn't know what... Uh, Tim was preaching this morning but he obviously touched on that the judgment to come when the Lord Jesus comes uh, again Uh, where is the coming he promised so some were saying Jesus is not coming back so go ahead just chill out live how you like it doesn't really matter Um, you can just do what you like because uh, you can forget all that the uh, prophets have said So Peter says, I want you to see the danger of getting sucked into that kind of error and making a ruin of your faith. So he said, I'm going to make every effort to remind you of this truth. He says it here in chapter 1, and he repeats it again in chapter 3. He says, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. He wants to remind them. of the things that they need to know. The command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. So he says, I want to remind you of these things. And he uses that phrase three times in this chapter, verse 10. Uh, If you do these things, you will never stumble, he says. Then in verse 12, I will always remind you of these things. 
and then down at the end of verse 15, I'll make every effort after my departure to make sure you'll always be able to remember these things. So what things is he talking about that he wants them to remember? Well, there are several that we could mention, um, but uh, we're not going to mention several, we're going to mention three. Um, First of all, Peter says, I want you to remind you that you've received a precious faith. Uh, Right in verse 1 he says, uh, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So he's saying right at the start, this faith is something that you have received. It's not something that you've earned. It's not something you could ever earn. It's not, it's not something you can keep by working for it. You have received it. You've received it through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Not your own righteousness. That's as filthy rags and you could never receive anything through that. But through the perfect righteousness of the perfect Son of God. The sinless Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world when he went to the cross. It's not a a faith that's based on your performance. And this is what makes it so precious. More precious than anything in the world. So right at the start of the letter, Peter says, I want to remind you of this precious faith that you have received. And he says, "It's it's a faith as precious as ours. In other words, it's the same faith, Peter says, as mine. Your faith is in Christ Jesus. My faith is in Christ Jesus. Just think of the transformation in Peter's life uh, since uh, that night of the arrest of the Lord Jesus. Peter had said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I won't deny you, Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus was arrested and Peter denied the Lord with, with curses. But he's been totally transformed by his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I've received this precious faith and it's the same faith that you have received. And it's the same faith that we have received. We have the same precious faith as Peter. As someone has said, the ground at the foot of the cross is absolutely level. There are no superior saints we have all received from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And secondly, Peter says you've received, you've been given a powerful provision in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter says you've received everything you need for a godly life. Warren Wiersbe says, when you were born into the family of God, you were born complete. The Christian has all that he needs and only needs to grow. Now Peter emphasises this because the Paul's teachers would come along and say, no, no, you need something else. You need this special experience. You need to know the secret things that we've been um, um, brought into, that we've been shown. We need to pass these things on to you. You need to follow us. No, says Peter, you already have all you you need. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? 
It's a very, very wonderful thing that uh, the faith that we have received in the Lord Jesus Christ is the whole package, really. God has given us all we need. That's why we can be assured that he will keep us to the end and he will keep us through. And thirdly, uh, given that God has given you all that you need, you are now called to live a productive and a purposeful life. Ask people what is the purpose of your life. And the majority of people sadly don't know how to answer, do they? They don't really know what the purpose of life is. They don't really understand that uh, life has any purpose at all sometimes. This is the great disaster of naturalism. The belief that everything arises from natural causes and there is no God. But the Christian has the greatest calling imaginable. Because of the precious faith he's received, because of the divine power he has been given, he is enabled to live for a great purpose. So Peter says, for this very reason, I want you to make every effort to add to your faith. It's not just a question of saying, oh, I've, God's given me all the power that I need. I can just sit back now and just drift through life. No, says Peter, you need to make every effort to add to your faith. And he lists seven elements of a productive and meaningful life. He says, add to your faith goodness. And by the way, we shouldn't think of these as one on top of the other. You know, add to your faith goodness, and then when you've got goodness, add to your faith knowledge, etc. No, Peter says, this is the whole package. You must be thinking about all of these things. Add to your faith goodness. Do you remember Barnabas in, in Acts? Barnabas was sent down by the apostles to Antioch when they, they heard of God's grace to the new believers in Antioch. And uh, he went down to Antioch and when he saw that what the grace of God had done, he was glad, uh, we read in Acts, and he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And then we read about Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He was a good man. And we must make every effort to add to our faith goodness. Who can tell the fruit that the Holy Spirit will produce as God's people get serious about goodness in this world and doing good and being good and refusing to, get, to engage in anything that is harm, harmful, either in speech or actions. Add to your faith, says Peter, goodness. And then to goodness, knowledge. You need to know and understand and correctly apply the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ said in his great prayer before he went to the cross, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So the greatest knowledge we need is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, this relational knowledge. But it's a knowledge that changes the way we live. It's a knowledge that is living and active. It's a knowledge that controls what we do and how we should live. And to knowledge, says Peter, adds self-control. That's disciplined living, knowing and avoiding the things that may lead you into sin. How important it is that we know ourselves and we know the things that tempt us and that we know the things which will make us fall. And then in the power of the Holy Spirit, we apply self-control. Add to self-control self perseverance, patient endurance, doing what is right, not giving in to temptations or despair when trials come. The Apostle James says, 
Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Looking intently, patient endurance, perseverance in doing what is right. Add to perseverance, godliness. This is a devotion to God that includes a holy fear. We could say a reverence of God, a recognition of who he is, how majestic and how great and how wonderful and how glorious he is uh, in, in all that he has done and in all that he is in his person. We need to cultivate a, a holy awe, a sincere love and a passionate longing to know and live in the reality of his presence. Add to, your, add to godliness mutual affection or, or um, I prefer the, uh, is it the King James, brotherly kindness? I prefer brotherly kindness to mutual affection, but it's the same thing, a specific care for the people of God. John says, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. And then to mutual affection, love. This is agape love. This is the love of the kind that sent the Lord Jesus to the cross. And we have to just stagger and say, who is sufficient for these things. We can't do justice to all that Peter means by love here. Suffice to say that he calls us to the same kind of love that took Jesus to the cross, that caused the Apostle Paul to cry out, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, who can possibly live up to this? Again, Warren Wiersbe says, it is impossible for fallen human nature to manufacture these seven qualities of Christian character. We must remember that these things can only begin to grow and become a reality in our lives by God's divine power. But his divine power has given us everything we need. Alistair Begg says, God has given us in Christ everything we need for the commencement, continuing and completion of our Christian life. Now Peter says, I want to remind you about these things because it's vitally important that you remember. Note what he says in verse 10. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort for if you do these things. Note that little word, if. If you do these things, you will never stumble. And uh, then by implication, you can say the if continues into what he says in verse 11. And if you do these things, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, by implication, we can say, uh, yeah, if you do these things, you'll never stumble. But if you do not, you're in danger of stumbling. If you do these things, you will receive a rich welcome. But if you do not, then you're in danger of not receiving a rich welcome. So is Peter saying that our rich welcome in, into heaven, in other words, our salvation, depends on what we do? Well, no, he's not saying that at all. Because he starts verse 10 by saying, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Your efforts confirm that God really has called you and now really is at work in you. And here we have that wonderful connection that we see so often in the Bible. 
in the New Testament in particular, of God's activity and our efforts. For example, in Philippians, words we know very well, therefore, my dear friends, as you always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. Continue to work out your salvation. It is God who works in you. Paul says work out your salvation. He does not say work for your salvation. Or in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there is this inseparable link between what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ in giving us this precious faith and our making every effort that we have good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So... Peter says in verse 12, I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Peter rejoices that they are firmly established in the truth now. But he wants to prepare them for the challenges that are coming. And Peter knows that the best way to be prepared is to continue to be firmly established in the truth. To hold on to it and not to drift away from it. He wants them to be able to distinguish the real from the fake. And uh, in verses 16 to 21, he gives two reasons why they should be, confirmed, should be firmly convinced that what they have received is, is true. First, in verses 16 to 18, he says, we didn't make this up. We didn't follow in cleverly invented stories. No, we were eyewitnesses. And of course, we recognize that what he's talking about in this particular case is that occasion of the transfiguration when he, with James and John and the Lord Jesus, were up in the mountain and then the Lord was transfigured before them. He became uh, shining with glory. Uh, and uh, they met with Moses and Elijah there. And Peter's able to say, that's not a cleverly invented story. We ourselves heard the voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So he's saying, I want you to be assured of these things because I was an eyewitness. And there are many other eyewitnesses too. And then secondly, he, wants, he says in verses 19 to 21, neither is the word of God a cleverly invented story. Prophets spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says, no prophecy came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Yes, God used them. They used uh, their human voices and their minds uh, 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 and their uh, writing skills. If they wrote things down, he used all of these things, but they were, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, I want you to be sure of these things and so that you can distinguish the true from the fake. And if we are to avoid what is false, we have to make efforts to remember what is true and to make it the foundation of our hope. 
we need to exercise for ourselves the vital ministry of reminding. John Piper has said this, one of the great enemies of hope is forgetting God's promises. Reminding is a great ministry. Peter and Paul both said that they wrote letters for this reason. The main helper in reminding us is what we need to know is the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean you should be passive. You're responsible only for your own ministry of reminding And the first one in need of reminding by you is you. Without reminding ourselves of the greatness and grace and power and wisdom of God, we sink into brutish pessimism. This is the great battle of my life. I assume yours too. The battle to remind myself, then others. When Tim was preaching from... uh, Jeremiah last week, can I remind you? What was the title? In the Mud, wasn't it? In the Mud, yes. When uh, Tim was preaching, one point was, uh, that, he, that he raised was, it was a particular blessing to me. It really was. And uh, I did remember it for a time. Uh, I didn't really apply it to my own situation. If I, if I had applied it diligently, I have to confess it would have saved me from a good amount of brutish pessimism this week. So I need helps to remind her. And I think possibly you do as well. Let's finally just think then about some practical things that will help us in the battle to remind. Just thinking about how we receive God's word when we, we hear it in church. What can we do to help us to retain that? What will help us? Well, Here's some very simple, very simple practical uh, suggestions. Firstly, pray. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Pray about what you hear. Pray about what you hear as soon as you hear it. Why not just pause at the end of a service and just take a moment to ask God for help to remember and apply what you've heard. I think every time we hear God's word preached, there's something that every one of us will need to consider and pray over. Take a moment before uh, talking uh, with others. Secondly, something that will help us, share what you hear. The blessing you receive is not just for you. As you share it, it will remind you and it will bless someone else. We know those um, words uh, very well from Hebrews. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards good love and good deed, good deeds. Not giving up the meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We can do this as we share what God has given us. And we need to share because we're all in need, aren't we? Um, came across this quote in the week, and I think it's so true, um, from Rebecca, uh, forgotten her name, Rebecca McLaughlin, yes. The further I go on in life, the more convinced I am that every Christian is a struggling Christian, depending on help from brothers and sisters who know their needs and vulnerabilities. Lungs don't work without hearts or legs without feet. We are simply not designed for solo flight. So what you've received, try and share it with someone else. 
Recall. Take action to help you to remember in the longer term. There's lots of ways we can think about doing this. When you go home, read the passage again. Read your Bible again. Remind yourself of the things that you've, you've heard. Um, some of you like to take notes. It's good to take notes. Don't forget to read them and uh, recall when you go home. Uh, we have the um, facility to, for uh, audio and video. You can listen to the uh, messages again. You can watch them again. Uh, that's a great way to uh, remember and to recall what you've heard. Um, with some passages in particular, Bible memory can be a great help, can't it? And uh, our brother Steve has been encouraging us in this, hasn't he? In the uh, Ten Commandments that we've been thinking about lately. And uh, he's been encouraging us to memorize these commandments. Um, why not to try to memorize verses 5 to 9 of 2 Peter 1? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, uh, etc. Um, that's a, a good thing to do and a great way. Uh, the, the psalmist said, David said in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Great thing to do. Now, because I enjoy technology, I like to find tools that will help me. And um, one, of the, one of the things that really helped me um, is um, uh, this Bible memory app. Don't worry if you're not into apps and smartphones and things, but, but for those of you who are up to date, you know, like me, um, uh, it's a, a great thing to use. I found it real good fun to use this uh, app to help me to uh, memorize um, the Ten Commandments. And uh, I find it really, really useful to do. But there are all of these ways uh, in which we can help one another and we can try to remind ourselves in this vital ministry of reminding. Finally, though, we need to turn to God because uh, our own efforts will fail and we have a great encouragement because the Lord Jesus Christ, before he went to the cross, he spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit and if you are trusting in Christ, God is for you and he is at work in you. So let's just finish with one of the very great and precious promises that God has given to us. Jesus said this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's a great uh, promise of hope, isn't it? That God will remind us, the Lord will remind us by the Holy Spirit of the things that he has taught us. Well, we're going to uh, wrap this up with uh, our final song. And it says, Here is love, vast as the ocean. And here again, we're saying, Who his love will not remember. Then as we go into the Lord's Supper, of course, we have this great festival of remembrance to remember the Lord's death until he comes and encourage one another by proclaiming him. So let's stand to sing, Here is Love.